כתיבות דף י"ג עמוד א', ו-Law of Attraction, ראו המדברת עם אחד. ו-term male toxicity is a term that's been, become popular in the gender discussion since the, particularly since the Me Too movement, and has accelerated the trend towards emasculating men and masculinating women. Uh, and the whole gender convergence that we're, that we're looking at today. So let's have a look and see how halacha deals with it. It's not a concept that's completely out of place. It's just the approach and how one views it and how one handles it. The Mishnah says, They saw a woman associating with a certain individual, associating inappropriately. And they said to her, what, what is, who is this person? What is this person? We're not asking for his name. We just want to know what kind of a person is. And she answers, don't worry about it. His name is such and such. And his coin, the Tosus read explains, doesn't mean he's a coin. It means uh, that, she, that he is not a psul for a coin. In other words, even if I had a relationship with him, that would not make my children psulim lekuhuna. If I have a daughter, she could marry a coin. He's a kosher Jew, whereas if he wasn't a kosher Jew, if he was a mamzer or somebody else that she wouldn't be allowed to be with, then the child wouldn't be allowed to marry a crane, nor would she later on. Uh, but this man is no, is no threat. You don't have to worry. He doesn't destroy my yichas. We've got the same machloket that we've had in, in the previous two Mishnahs as well with Rabbi Gamliel. And Rabbi Yezer says she's believed because she could have denied the whole thing. Uh, and Rabbi Yeshua uses the strange phase, which Rav Horowitz explained yesterday based on the Shita Mekubetzis, Lo mipia anu chayim, we can't live by her mouth. Uh, and the way I understand it, we don't even have to get, get on to the explanation of the Shita Mekubetzis. Lo mipia anu chayim, Rabbi Yeshua, uh, we'll get to know a little bit today. Rabbi Yeshua was the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva. He was one of the earlier Tanoim. Uh, and he served in the Beis Hamikdash. He actually was a levy in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, and he was part of the Avoido. Uh, and here we see Rabbi Yeshua as like very fabrant. He looks like a, a very extreme person. We're not going to go by her word. We're not going to let her off by her word. We're going to assume, as he says over here, we're going to assume the worst. That the man she was with was a Natino or a Mamza, and that puzzles her, that removes her from the line of Yichus. And that's what we're going to assume, because we have no evidence to the contrary. So he takes the, the, the harshest view. But Rabbi Yeshua wasn't a harsh man. Rabbi Yeshua was a very progressive tanner, so to say. Uh, he himself was a businessman, not a very successful businessman, but he, he was very poor. He used to deal in charcoal. Uh, and he was the Avbezdin in a place called Pakin, which is halfway between Nairia and Tzfat. Until today, there are, there are diggings there from the Mishnahic period, which is his time. Um, and he was a, extremely learned in, in general studies as well. He was a big, he, he, he knew languages, he knew mathematics, science. Uh, he was a bridge between the Chachomim and the Roman Empire. And they used to send him on delegations. So he was the, uh, the, the person that was well-versed in matters of the world. He's, uh, one of his sayings has, has some wonderful memories in, in, in Prichelvis and elsewhere. He's the, he's the one who says, if a person just learns two, two halochas every morning and two halochas every evening, and the rest of the day he's in business, it's as if he's learning Torah all day. Meaning if his mind is on Torah, he starts his day with Torah, as, 
as you will do, and he ends his day with Torah, as you will do, then it's as if the whole day is in Torah. Um, so he was very accommodating. Uh, he was the one who challenged the bath call. You remember there was the Machlokas Rabbi Yezer and Bov Metziah Daphne and Tess. And the bath call came and said, Rabbi Yezer is right. And Rabbi Yeshua gets up and says, who are you to interfere here? It's, uh, we've, we've, we've been given, you've given us the Torah already. We've got to follow the majority and you shouldn't be interfering. So he's a huge personality and somebody we rely, rely on a fortune. So what is it here that he takes this very harsh view is because he's a levy in the Beis Hamikdash, he understands that the Yuchsin is so important to the soul of the Jewish people. And Yuchsin, we're not even just talking about who's Jewish and who's not Jewish. We're talking about Yuchsin, Yachas, means what is your relationship to earlier generations? How do you connect to earlier generations? That's what Yichus means. And, the, and Yichus goes through the Father. And it's, it, there's, there's a lot of, you know, yichus, fatherhood is potentially n- not very certain. We're not very certain about fatherhood. So we're particularly careful about where people are, how they mix, the, the mixing of the sexes. Part of the reason is to preserve the yuchsin. So when he says, Lo We, the Jewish people, can't hand over the, our lifeline, our connection to the past, to the mouth of a woman who's trying to keep her reputation clear. She's already misbehaved. And to keep her reputation clear, she explains herself away. And we're going to accept that explanation and, and, and affect Yuxin. Now, in the previous two Mishnahis, it wasn't about Yuxin. It was about Mominus. It was about how much money she gets in Ksuba and so on. But if you're going to believe her on those things, it would flow into this Mishnah and we would land up believing her also on matters of Yuxin. That's going too far. Says Rabbi Yeshua, we can't do that. Ask the Gemara, what does it mean we saw her inappropriately engaging with a, with a man? What exactly happened? So we have a machlokas, Zairi and Ravasi, Zairi Oman Nisterot. She had Yichud. We just know she was alone with a man. Ravasi Oman Nivala. Ravasi says, no, there was evidence that they were actually having a physical relationship. And then the Gemara goes on and says, I understand that it says she was talking, she was having conversation with somebody if it was just Yichud. Elo Ravasi, but according to Ravasi, who says they had physical relationship, why does it say she was talking to him? She should say what happened. Lishna Ma'alia, the answer the Gemara, it's Lishna Ma'alia, which is, it's a nice, a refined way of saying it. Uh, and you see that the Torah uses a refined way of saying it, but this posuk's more about, more than about language. From Mishle, Kain Derech Isham Menaefet, that's the way of a, an unfaithful woman. Achla Umachatafia, she eats and then wipes her mouth with her, with her serviette or napkin, as they say. Amra Lofalti Avin, she said, I did nothing wrong. So a person eating and then, and then you're going to go into company, you wipe your mouth with your, with your napkin, you don't want to be seen with food all over your mouth. You want no evidence of the fact that you've just been stuffing food into your mouth. In the same way, it's natural for a woman who's been misbehaving to wipe her mouth, to clean up and make sure there's no evidence because it wouldn't do her reputation any good. And that explains, that posuk actually explains Rabbi Yeshua. It's not just the question of using the posuk to show that we use, we don't say that she did something wrong. We say, Achla machtafia. She has a relationship and then she wipes her mouth. Uh, that we use a metaphoric language, but it's also the the behavior, the behavior is one where we wipe up evidence that could damage our reputation. If there is no other evidence, we certainly don't acknowledge the evidence. And therefore, we can't, we can't place weight on what she says. Says Tosfus, the, um, one of the things that, that Tosfus says here is, 
it would appear to be who says they just had a uh, uh, it was just Yichud. It must be that she acknowledges um, that there was a relationship. We have no evidence that there was one, but she must say, yes, I did actually have a relationship with this man, but he's not a he's not a apostle for Kuhuna. Because if she were to have said, I was did not have a relationship, then we have a double Sofek here. The first Sofek is... Did she have a relationship or didn't didn't she? We have no evidence. We don't know. And even if she did have a relationship, who was the guy? Was the guy somebody who's possible for Kuhn or not? Rabbi Yeshua, we'll see further on that where there's a double sophic, Rabbi Yeshua says, okay, that we don't have to worry about. We don't have to go that far. Um, so, so this can't be a sfeik sfeikah, so it can't be that we don't know whether she had a relationship. So if Zairi says, all we know is they had yichud, they were alone together. But it must be that she says they had a relationship, so there's only one sofik, who is the man? And then to specific, no, it could be that she's denying having had a physical relationship. Yes, we were busy discussing business. Uh, we were doing a deal together. It had nothing to do with anything physical. But Rabbi Yeshua regards that as one sophic. If they were alone together, there's no second sophic. The only sophic is who is he? There's no sophic about whether they had relationships. Wow, really? Is that what Yichud means according to Rabbi Yeshua? Man and woman are alone together. We assume that they've had a relationship. Why? Is there so little self-control? What, what is going on? And the reason, Sistosis, is Mishum De'en Apotrupus L'Arayas. He uses a phrase that comes on, on Omid Beis, uh, where Rabbi Yeshua says, E'en Apotrupus L'Arayas. There is no guardian when it comes to sexual relationships. That's a phrase that means something else in Shulchan Aruch, but it's an interesting idea. In Shulchan Aruch, in Evan Oezer, in Simen Chav Beis, the Bupaskin, E'en Memanim Afilu Adam Ne'eman V'Kasheh Liyot Shomer B'Chatzeh Sheyesh Bonashim. You don't point even an honest from person to be the a god in a in a yard in which a lot of women live. Afapishu or made bachutz even though he stands outside, he's not in their homes. Sheena Putrupis Laris, because you you can't trust yourself and you can't trust anybody else when it comes to Arais. And the, the Vilna Gon brings the Makor for this as a Yerushalmi where it says, Even a Chosid of the of Chasidim, you take the, the, the Chofetz Chaim, you don't do that to. You don't make him a, a, a God there. And the Beishmul says, even according to Rashi, holds that a man, if a man is with many women, it's not Yichud, is, is the Shita of Rashi. So why here is it, says, says the Beishmul, yeah, because he's the Shomer. He has power. So here you see the concern. Male power. Put a man in a position of power where there are powerless women. That's dangerous. That's what you've got to try and prevent. Because there's a, there's a natural tendency of men to abuse that power. It's not as if the women are completely, are completely innocent in it. But if you put together the attraction of a woman and the power of a man. And what is the woman attracted to? She's attracted to that very power that the man uses to abuse her. That's what she finds attractive. It's, it's such a, a fatal flaw in the whole system. 
but she's attracted by the very power that he can abuse uh, over her. And if you look at the whole Me Too mu movement and you realize these women who claim they were abused, where were they? Where do they claim they were when they were abused? Ah, up in a hotel room on the 25th floor with the, with the, the, uh, the director of a movie or the, or the CEO of some large company. What were you doing on the 23rd floor in his bedroom? I was attracted to his power. I wanted a position. The, the two are just, well, you put the power and the, and the attraction together and you've got a recipe for disaster. And so it's not male toxicity. It's the reality of the male-female relationship when power becomes involved. Says the Beishmul, yes, if it's just a man and he's with many women, that's fine. We don't suspect every man's going to be unable to control himself. That's not the point. But if, there's a if he's in a position of power, then then you can't... Uh, and it's interesting, the word apotropos means a guardian. It's almost as to say, you can't trust a man with power, an apotropos, when it comes to Arias. And he can't trust himself. The Gemara on, on the next page brings the, the, the continuation. There's a tosefta at the end of, uh, of the first parak of Ksubis that the, that the Gemara brings. It's a whole discussion about uh, the difference between Rabbi Yeshua and, and Rabbi Gamliel. And, uh, and, and Rabbi Lezer and that whole discussion that takes place. It's a beautiful piece on the next Omud. And there also, we, that's where we're introduced in this sugya to the idea of Eina Petrupus Lares. Rabbi Yeshua holds, if there's a man in a position of power and there's a woman, you can't assume that nothing happened. And Rashi says, Eina Petrupus Lares, Eina Tem Yecholim Liot La Petrupus Loma Lo Nivala. Rashi learns the, the phrase a little differently in our sugya and says, you can't be the Petrupus, you can't be the guarantor to say, I, I guarantee nothing happened. If a man of power and an attractive woman are together, you, nobody can say nothing happened. Okay, but we don't have any proof that anything did happen. After all, she's got a chazoka. She's a good from girl from Eir Shorim. He's the Chofetz Chaim. They're alone together. Ain't up a troopus And somebody says, you know what? I can guarantee you that this young girl from Eir Shorim and the Chofetz Chaim, nothing happened. Tomorrow would say, Rabbi Yeshua would say, Ain't up a troopus not even, not even interested. Why is that? The Ritvor says that it's, the reason is not because, of course, she's got a chazoka and normally we wouldn't believe her, but at the end of the day, this is Mishum Ma'ala, Ma'ala, the Indian Yuchsin Mishum Ma'ala. That Ma'ala also be Yuchsin, that the Chazal treat Yichus with extra special caution. If there's the slightest doubt, we, can, we cancel. We want the Yichus to be pure. When there's Yichus, that Yichus needs to be pure, especially when it comes to Kahuna. Uh, and, and once there's a mixing and there's possibility and there's gossiping and there's doubt, that messes with yichus. Yichus has to be something that nobody has any, anything to question. It's absolutely clear because it's, the whole thing is doubtful enough because of paternity. At least we need to be sure that the context of this particular couple is one of, about which there's no, there is no concern at all. So just looking at this whole idea of yichud and, and, and Rabbi Yeshua takes a very strong and severe approach because of Ma'ala Asu B'Yuchsin, because we're dealing with Yuchsin. Yes, if it was any other area, we would make various accommodations and we, we would use Migu and we would use Chazoka. We would, we would figure this out. But when it comes to Yuchsin, we don't use any of these mechanisms. If something is inappropriate in the area of Yuchsin, we assume the worst. And that way we keep the Yuchsin pure. Uh, what, what's interesting in the area of, of Yuchsin, firstly, it shows the, the, the seriousness of, of, of Yuchsin. So, 
how do we deal with this male toxicity, as, the, as they call it? It's not male toxicity, it's the innate dangerous compound created by female attractiveness. Hashem created a woman to be attractive, and we learned that a few days ago, uh, that, that she is designed not to have to uh, demand relationships with her husband. She's designed to be able to pull him in, to be able to seduce him into relationship. Because that keeps the male ego in place and that keeps the whole dynamic in place. She's designed to attract. That's the essence of a woman, is to be attractive. And sniut is not about making her, her unattractive. Sniut is about restricting her attractiveness to her husband. But it's not about making her unattractive. She's meant to be attractive. That's her, the fulfillment of her femininity. And she, and she utilizes that. And he has a male drive that pursues attractiveness, that is attracted to attractiveness. That's what he was allured by attractiveness. That's what the male force is. And we've talked often, it's not just about men and women, it's about the male and female force in the world. The one is pulled towards attractiveness and the other attracts with attractiveness. That's the male and the female force, the pull and the push. And you put them together with power and add power into the mix. Then you've got a dangerous cocktail. That's the nature of the Bria. So what do we do? So in the secular world, what's happened is demasculate the man and, mas and, and masculinate the woman, and then you're kind of done with it. There's no male toxicity because there are no males. The only males are the women, and the women aren't toxic. So problem solved. Yes, but you've destroyed society. You've destroyed the whole male-female dynamic in the world. And what is the result of that? Just think it through. If you were sitting a hundred years ago, and I would say to you, we're going to demasculate the, emasculate the men, and we're going to masculinize the women. What do you think will be the outcome? How long would it say, take for you to say homosexuality, lesbianism, and transgender is going to be the outcome? You know, there is no male and female. It's going to make no difference. Men will want to be women. Women will want to be men. Women will see, why not be a man? He's got more advantage. So she'll want to be a man. You'll have, you'll have complete gender confusion because there will be no gender. You will have removed gender from the equation. And that's the situation in which we're in. When gender is being compromised, when the polarity of masculinity and femininity is being compromised because men don't know how to behave. It's not a question of men don't know how to behave. Just follow the laws of Yichud. If the laws of Yichud would have been followed, there would have been no Me Too movement. The men would have been men. The women would have been women. The women could have attracted as much as they wanted. The men could have been as, as pursuing of attraction as much as they wanted. You could have real men and real women and nothing would go wrong because of the laws of Yichud. That's from society. That's how it's meant to be. Real men, real women, but governed by the laws of Yichud. So Yichud is there to protect masculinity and to protect femininity from adulteration, from compromise. Just one thing on that. We, people often ask, okay, Yichud, but at the end of the day, uh, the Chofetz Chaim gets into, a, in his old age, gets into an, a, an elevator. It goes up to the floor, so it's, it takes a few, you know, it takes a minute to get from the ground to the top. And in the elevator walks an old woman who's as old as the Chofetz Chaim. We're going to say, oh, the Chofetz Chaim is going to step out because of Yichud? Really? Are we, are we worried? You need to understand that, imagine what would happen if we said, yes, you're not allowed to have Yichud, but it depends on how attractive the woman is and how young the man is. Imagine based in then having to grade women in terms of whether Yichud applies to them. This one, no, 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 you don't have to worry about Yichud. You're ugly, you don't have to worry. That's not going to happen. So if we're going to need to institute Yichud, 
it has to be across the board. Men, women. Men and women, there needs to be a separateness of men and women because that separateness is what guarantees the per perpetuation of the male and female forces that, that create our society, that drive our society, and that govern so much of what we do.